Hello, and welcome to episode 265 of Constructing Comics, a podcast building stories one page and one panel at a time. On this episode, we have an interview with Matthew Campbell of Action Line Studios and creator of Mythica on Kickstarter now. This is Matt Kuhn, and joining me is Constructing Comics co-host Noah. Hey there. Matt, thanks so much for coming back on the podcast. Let's do what we normally do when we start off these interviews. Let's do the, the two standard start-off questions. Quick bio, elevator pitch for this book, and then we'll, we'll, we'll take a deep dive. Okay. Um, so my name is Matt Campbell. Uh, I'm the creator and artist of the Mythica comic book series. Uh, we're currently uh, on issue eight. Um, I also teach a college course on making comics where each student makes a short comic story from script to print, including penciling, inking, lettering, and coloring. Um, and then we put them all together into a compilation, which they have printed in their hands by the end of the semester. Um, I love, I love the art of visual storytelling. And so, um, I'm always looking for ways to improve and work with other people and, uh, find new and unique ways to to tell stories through comics. Nice. And uh, do you have an elevator pitch for for Mythica? Oh, uh, what? An elevator pitch? No. You're at of a con. You're at of a con. <laughs> You're at a con. The doors open. Jim Lee and uh, I, I guess it's not Joe Casada, but let's just say it's Jim Lee and Joe Casada are on the elevator. You're in the elevator. You got to go. You got you got a couple floors to get this out. Right. Um, what would you say about a book of demons, dames and a Scotsman with a blade? Mythica is a dark fantasy comic where a kilted Scottish soldier and a sexy super spy band together with some other allies to fight monsters and demons uh, in World War One. So if you like highlander and outlander with some witcher and supernatural thrown in and you'd probably really like this comic very cool so this is issue eight the last time we talked was that um issue seven do you remember that like i'm i'm trying to yeah, i remember. think so yeah 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 and so that was are you roughly uh producing a book of a year do you do you think well, we were, and that's what uh, part of the funding from this is now going towards. Uh, last campaign, we did well enough for me to get uh, a letterer uh, uh, who's like on, on the team and then uh, a colorist who did the interior work, which allows me to just focus on uh, you know, doing sick line art. And uh, so now we have the capability of speeding that up but I need to make sure and you know, be able to, to fund them for the next book. Um, so that's a, a big portion of, of where the funds are going uh, you know, from the campaign after we print books. Nice. Um, but yeah, and by I'm, myself, it's only about one year. Okay. So I think one of the big things that I've seen is, is the colorist is, is kind of a big deal, right? Yeah. I mean, uh, well, uh, we have two colorists on, on the team. There's one that's doing the interior colors. Who's, who's just knocking it out of the park. And he's really been able to capture that uh, look we were going for to be kind of dreary and gray in Scotland with overcast in world war one, but still have 
you know, some vibrant color in there, uh, kind of the blend of the two. And um, he's doing really well. But the cover artist uh, was colored by Alex Sinclair, who oh, wow. worked on uh, Jim, a lot of Jim Lee's work, um, a pretty well-known colorist. Uh, and so, yeah, it was a real honor to, to be able to work with him. And uh, uh, I love what he did with the cover. Uh, and uh, it was just awesome to have him. And you drew that cover? Yes, yes. Man, that's a dream, man. Yeah, that was definitely something on my bucket list as I'm like trying to, you know, get my my foot in the door um, and and really, you know, work with some of these, working with some of these bigger artists is definitely a dream for a lot of people, I'm sure. Did you come into your class and just show off that you now have, have something colored by Alex Sinclair and they're all just <laughs> super impressed? <laughs> I actually haven't yet. No, um, I would say that you know each semester I, I I'll get probably one student in there who would really know who Alex Sinclair is. Maybe mm-hmm. uh, a lot of the students, uh, you know, they're pretty steeped in manga because uh, they're right at, right out of high school and just starting college. Um, but and then there's some that have never read comics. Even um, they're just taking the course because they they kind of want maybe to get into animation or visual storytelling and it's a course for that. Um, but yeah, I, I haven't yet. I mean, I try not to get too personal when I'm in class, uh, cause I don't want the school to feel like I'm using the class to promote my products. <laughs> That's a good point. So I have a like a, a question about sort of like the, the story structure with this being issue eight. Um, do you have sort of like, a, like an arc? Is it like one through four, five through eight sort of tell a story or are we sort of continuing in a, you know, a full full pattern from from one to eight? Um, mostly column A, with a little column B. <laughs> um, I treat these, you know, kind of like a, uh, a television series uh, where um, the first six issues were like, you know, maybe the first uh, chapter and that was introducing all the characters and they came together and it kind of had its own little sum up ending. But then issue seven started a new chapter and it, you know, continues where that left off, but like, you know, a few days have skipped forward and, and we're, we starting in a place that like, I try to, to make it as, uh, as much as I can so that people don't have to go back. Um, but there is that stuff before it, uh, that will, will be there always. Yeah. I mean, that's one of the tricky parts of, of storytelling is, is that, you know, there's the 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 adage the you know I I'm not sure if it's Stanley I actually know I, I correct myself it's Jim Shooter that every comic is is somebody's first comic so that you know somebody should be able to pick up a comic and jump into the story but there is you know backstory and and stuff like that so you have to handle that gently I'm guessing yeah yeah and that's why I look to uh, uh, a lot of uh, television or like Netflix shows, uh, things that, you know, were originally aired on TV. Like I was a big fan of Supernatural. There's a lot of that influence in this book, by the way. Um, But 
if you look at those shows, like each season could be like 20 episodes long. And there was sort of an overarching story within that season. Um, and they might even have little side quests uh, throughout the season. But at the beginning of every episode, like you usually would start off with, oh, uh, you know, an introduction to a problem that someone would say, oh, this, this demon's attacking this town. And they'd say, okay, well, let's, let's go to it. And then while they're there, they might discover something that ties into something that has been going on for several episodes. And so if you didn't understand that, you could go back, but it also wouldn't, you know, ruin the rest of this episode for you. You'd just be like, oh, I wonder what that was about. That's how I try to, to set this stuff up is that it's still entertaining, but there's a lot there where you're like, oh, I wonder what they were talking about there, you know? Um, and I'm, I'm always trying to get better at that because it is a challenge for sure. Yeah, I'm not as much as a, a supernatural fan I, I think noah is but I, I feel like that's the really good thing that like the x-files did that like there was like the monster of the week but we were yeah. always progressing sort of the the journey of of Mulder and, and scully so like that's probably what you're what you're trying to accomplish here as, as well yeah. right yeah yeah and i have a you know the only thing i wish you know uh i had was you know uh like super speed <laughs> so i could do it all faster um because like i i've introduced some of these characters there's a, you know a, a pretty uh decent cast of characters um and i feel like we're still just even after eight issues like still introducing a lot of their quirks and personalities you know because uh there's traveling and there's facing the the conflict of the you know what's going on and you know that, those kinds of things and and it just happens so fast that next thing you know 24 issues or, or 36 issues or excuse me not issues pages uh is is used up and you put it out you know and and you're like oh i didn't even get to say much about this one character you know so it's always it's always challenging trying to balance it all make it like entertaining in its own package but put enough in there that that they're intrigued to want to go find out more and and just really get into these characters and become fans of the characters nice so i could ask story questions like all the time as sort of the the writer of this but um noah is an artist so i'm gonna check in with noah to see if he has a, an art question so i don't lean too heavy on story here <laughs> yeah i i had a question and it kind of pertains to storytelling as well when you're planning out the monster of the week issues, how far back have you planned these issues, I guess? And, and while you're planning them out, are you designing, are you designing characters and, and scenarios for, for those, for those issues way before they come out? Or are you someone who just likes to have the, the outline for the series in your back pocket and just draw the issue and the concepts for the issue as they come out? It's, it's more, I'd say definitely more of the second one. Um, I have an outline for the overall arc of, of these characters and the, the big story. And, um, and then, like I said, I, I, I set them off on the, on the beginning with you know, the first issues. And then 
uh, you know, now, like for instance, at issue seven, I, I knew I wanted to move them up, you know, to Northern Scotland from where they're at in the last episode, uh, last book. And I knew a couple of the things. Uh, and so I just take the, the key bullet points of the, uh, the outline that I know I need to have in the story. And then I say, okay, you know, what all can I, you know, do that can I, I can have happen in one episode. Um, and I try to introduce, you know, if I can, a, a new monster. Um, and right now they're uh, sort of uh, being attacked uh, by, by monsters and they don't really know what they are. And so uh, they don't know how to fight them. It's not like they know, already they don't have any guidance yet of, of, to be monster hunters so like right now they're fighting vampires but they don't know what vampires really are or how to kill them um so they're kind of finding out by accident <laughs> um and so you know that gives me the opportunity to have the characters start to work together uh which is one of the big arcs of the whole thing is that all these characters arcs were about uh you know dealing with their own personal issues but in the end like all of their all of their issues kind of resolve in a similar way, which is trusting and working with someone else. Um, and so, like Magnus, our leader, he loses everyone in, in like the first episode, his whole team, uh, and he kind of carries that weight with him of like being uh, responsible uh, for for it because he couldn't save him, which he wasn't responsible, but he tells himself that. Um, and so then now uh, there's a new group of people that are all looking to him to, to guide them. And, and he doesn't want to do that. He just wants to find vengeance uh, for his men and, and, and kill them. And he thinks that if he puts himself out there and makes the sacrifices that he can keep these other people safe and out of harm's way, but he's not going to get to defeat his enemy and get his vengeance because they're strong and powerful and smart unless he works with them and, and, you know, allows himself to trust that he can put them in these bad situations that they'll get out of. Um, and so that's, you know, his journey. So I just keep all of their arcs in mind. And I have like a, a thing that says, you know, what, what are they trying each, each one of these characters, you know, trying to achieve and, and whatnot and then i just drop them into different situations that i do kind of do on the fly issue by issue that's really cool because i'm i'm working on something not similar to yours right now because i haven't even started it yet but i'm wondering about that approaching it more from the art side how do i keep in mind arcs on characters and motivations because i come at it from a visual standpoint and I have the story in my head, but I, I'm always afraid that I'll start drawing and forget about motivation and get caught up too much in the visuals. How, how do you balance that out with, with, with the writing and the visuals? <laughs> so, um, like I said, so first I have all the, the arcs that my characters are, are on and, and what I'm trying to get them to be moving towards. And then here, you know, I put them in, uh, Scotland because I wanted the visuals of Scottish landscape in the, this book. And so um, I, once I, you know, figured out the story and I had, had the story written, then I sit down and I 
thumbnail out the entire book uh, looking at the script. And at that point, sometimes the script will change while I'm thumbnailing it mm. because I'm like, you know, oh, well, what if I include, uh, you know, this right here, uh, this would be cool. And this will fulfill that other arc that I'm having to do. And, um, and then I start looking at it and I say, okay, uh, this didn't all fit uh, into 24 pages. I got to, I got to remove a scene here or, or change the scene. Um, so I'm looking at all of the pages and all of the script back and forth on both screens. And like this last issue, issue eight that's coming out right now, there were, uh, there were scenes uh, with some characters that I was trying to, to introduce uh, that are kind of just been hanging it out on the side and I want to get them into the story and I had a place for it. And then it, there just wasn't really the room for it. Uh, and I had to cut it back out. And so those thumbnails are still sitting there like, and I might use it or I might not, but by thumbnailing the entire thing out and only making them like two, you know, three inches tall at the most and, and not zooming in, if you're doing it digitally, keeping them small so that you force yourself not to do the details, you start to, kind of orchestrate this entire entire thing to it's it's bare bones you know good skeleton and then next i'll start scaling that up each page by page and start drawing it and at that point i'm looking at the script and i'm looking at the facial expression that i'm drawing and i'll sometimes um change the dialogue based on what's what I'm feeling as I'm drawing it and make it more, you know, aggressively angry or I'll, uh, you know, just maybe do some research on what they might say. Uh, and so that's changing even up until that minute. Um, and, and so it's always a fluid thing, but with like uh, something guiding me, I guess. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's awesome. So one thing I remember from the last time that we had you on that uh, that still sticks in my head is the fact that this book is set in World War One. You know, yeah. so many times uh, when we look at like storytelling, it's so easy to tell a story in World War Two because this, we feel like the stakes were were so high. But one of the magical things about what you do with setting this in World War One is is that, you know, a dude with a sword standing next to a, a woman with a gun, like, really fits. So was that, like, one thing that was really important to you, that you could, like, play with both of, like, the, you know, the, the hand-to-hand combat of, you know, as we're in the turn of the century, you know, getting industrialized, but we're, we're still sort of, you know, holding on to, like, there might be a guy riding a horse next to a guy who you know right. has a gun like that that's right. something that's really stuck with me but is that one thing that's sort of like magical to you to, in the in the storytelling of, of setting it in ww1 well i i love that aspect of it and i'm so happy that you noticed that because that is a fun playground um the fact that you can have like pirate sailing ships still out on the sea yet there's submarines now um or you know, people who are still in horse-drawn carriages, but there's planes now flying. Um, so it's this beautiful clash of, of you know, time periods. And um, it, it wasn't, it didn't start off that way. Um, 
when I was working on the first issue, um, I was working with another writer named William Tooker and he, uh, I brought him on because I had all these ideas that I wanted to make a comic with, but they weren't put together really yet into uh, a linear story. Um, and that's, uh, he kind of helped kind of get me in line and, and pushed me on my way. I mean, okay, there you go. Um, and so, uh, originally it was going to be modern times and the, one of the key premises of their arc was that I wanted these characters to start to work together and, and learn how to use their abilities together and, and kind of be figuring things out and then have all these people start hunting them down and chasing them because they're special. Um, so I realized that was going to be hard to do in modern times with satellites and, and all this stuff. And I'm like, I'm not really a tech person, so I don't want to be writing a, a tech book. Uh, and so uh, we were looking at going back in time to a different time period. And we looked at World War II and I was like, you know, I feel like that's overdone. Everybody is doing that. It's really easy to make, you know, the Nazis, the villain and, and monsters and everyone's done it. So um let's look at something else and you know we we rolled back to world war one and that's when like everything clicked because we started looking at all the things that you know would fit with this and like you said having a character who's still old world mindset and like the town that he lives in in northern scotland um looks like it's you know from the middle ages because it's still stone and, and straw thatch roofs but they still look like that today, you know? Yeah. So um, you, you see this old world he comes from, and then you have places like, you know, London, uh, where this spy is from, and she's very up to date with most all the modern things. Um, and uh, it's, it's just fun. It's fun to draw. Um, so. Is, it, is part of it also for you, just sort of the the Mike Mignola thing of like I don't want to draw modern skyscrapers and modern cars <laughs> or things like that because I I'm not saying that out of like a like you're lazy I, because I'm that way I hate drawing buildings and cars and every time I listen to Mike Mignola say he created Hellboy so he didn't have to draw any of that stuff I'm <laughs> totally there you know maybe so um, I, I don't know that that's ever been a conscious thought, but I do gravitate towards um, the more organic type of art, like Conan and Red Sonia and, uh, you know, monsters and, and, and things that aren't in the city. So I guess so. I, I don't really draw a lot of cities and cars either, but I don't, I never really thought about it being an intentional thing, but Yeah. I think I think I might be right there with Mr. Magnolia. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think it's a lot of comic artists because I remember working with Matt and uh, and his uh, his one of his main artists, Wilson Gandolfo, on a project at one point. And Wilson said, "I don't want to draw anything with perspective lines if I can." <laughs> <laughs> and I think it was just a short comic. I don't think it panned out for anything, but that was funny at that time where he just said, "I want to do this fast, and I don't want to have to worry about any of that." Yeah, that's that's taken a real uh, like a real quick approach. Um, I actually love uh, perspective and dynamic angles. And actually, 
that's something I'm, I'm currently uh, trying to come to grips with and trying to just bite the bullet and make time to learn how to relearn how to use a 3D program. Um, I actually used to know, I went to school for it at one point, but um, I'm seeing so many of artists that you know work uh, on these big comic book gigs for Marvel and DC who are amazing artists. I know they're amazing artists who are telling me, look, uh, on a, to get these deadlines done, like we'll build this whole set in a 3D program and pose the camera and the characters where we want them for reference so that we can get it done, you know? Yeah. It's like not, it's not like you can't figure it out and draw it, but it's a time thing. Um, mm -hmm. And so right now for the past two books, these past two issues, I've been so like focused on getting better as an artist that I felt like, you know, you know, you look at like the great masters and stuff like, oh, well, they wouldn't cheat. They would just get more badass and like be able mm. to, to knock it out without, you know, uh, uh, trying to find another way around it. And so my mindset was like, you know, be a, you know, be a samurai and, and just get badass at it. And uh, it, it's the thing is, like, it's it's uh, it's still time consuming, even if you're, yeah. if you're good at it. So um yeah i i'm looking at some, i want to look at some programs that like i don't have to put a lot of time into modeling like with you know all moving vertices and nodes around that i can just like push a few buttons and make some buildings and drop a character in and drop a camera in because i don't need that much reference um i just might need a, a good angle or something um and i can take it from there right um, so yeah, I just need to, to play around with that a bit more. And I'm, like I said, I'm, I'm trying to find ways to speed it up. And I want to tell, you know, good stories. So I want to have, you know, different interesting camera angles and try new things. So just trying different, different avenues of tools, I guess. Yeah, that makes sense. And that actually, I had a question in regards to that, because I was wondering, and I'm, I'm glad you brought it up that you, you said you're working on becoming a better artist. I, yeah, I wanted to ask, like, what, what are some things that you learned in the working on the last issue? And it can be anything from, you know, running a Kickstarter to writing the script to drawing the comic. I, I'm very curious about that. <laughs> well, um, so I started this comic. Uh, one of the one of the main reasons I started this comic is that I had never seen uh, a kilted hero character in comics and since then i've seen that i just missed some but there still aren't that many um and i so i started putting all this together we jumped forward to this last issue and this last issue has had more kilts than anything else because it's following just primarily magnus the, the main character uh whereas in the past it was always jumping back and forth between all these different characters and so i'm getting so much panel time with magnus and he's wearing his full dress kilt because he's in his homeland and all the other people that live there are wearing kilts and what i've come to realize is that although i've gotten really good at folds and pleats and doing a pattern on folds and pleats 
uh, I realize now why there weren't very many comics with kilted heroes in them. Because <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's a lot of detail work. Yeah, I can imagine. And if you're someone who also is drawing patterns into those quilt, into those kilts, that's got to be ugh, frustratingly yeah, arduous. Yeah, so uh, I, I've, I've taught my colorist uh, some, some quick color patterns that, you know, he can throw on. So when I have a character that's like below a certain size, I don't fool with trying to get in there and um, do the, 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 the patterns um, with the drawing. But, you know, if he's taking up half the page, then yeah, I'm going to be drawing the pattern. Yeah. That's gotta be like drawing Spider-Man, but just from the crotch down. Yeah. Uh, well, and, and in this particular one, when I say he's wearing the full dress, it means he's got the one that goes over his shoulder as well. Um, so there's even more pleats to deal with than just the bottom. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, it's, it's been fun. Um, and so I've learned that. So we'll see uh, going forward, like how many new ways I come up with to uh, not have to do as, as much of that. <laughs> yeah. Like, uh, you know, suddenly I'm only shooting, uh, you know, headshots of Magnus <laughs> all the time. <laughs> suddenly Magnus died and now um, no one can wear a kilt in the comic. Oh, look, his, his, uh, his kilt burned up. Uh, he's running around <laughs> naked now. <laughs> the ladies would love that. There's a, a lot of people uh, that have come. A lot of the ladies have commented on how much they like the Magnus. That's very, good to know. That's very <laughs> cool. Yeah. So we got, we got him. And then, of course, Riley is, uh, you know, uh, in there for the guys. And um, they're, they're like two alphas who, like, are um constantly you know it's like oil and vinegar like they they're definitely probably going to fall in love but they also are just clashing all the time because they're both leaders and they're both you know capable and don't take orders from other people so <laughs> it's fine and then you add to that that she's a spy so he doesn't trust her as far as he can throw her um yet you know they end up getting close uh and so that's another fun arc to play in there so i'm always so the way that i do this i actually learned this from uh jk rowling not that i know her personally but she made a post <laughs> <laughs> um but there was a thing that she posted a long time ago on her blog where like she had like all the different characters listed across uh, like a spreadsheet with like their arc, um, you know, listed on top. And then as each book would, uh, each scene would come along in, in her story, she would go through and see how or what, uh, what characters' arcs are being fulfilled by that scene and how is it moving their arcs forward. And then, so the next, you know, first scene might have Harry and Hermione and, and Ron in it. And then the next scene might, you know, just have Hermione in it and then, but it's moving her story forward. And they, so she would just make sure that every, every character's arc was trying to get, you know, a little pit uh, enough that it balanced out. Um, and I'm like, okay, that, that fits close enough to how my weird brain works. I think I'll try that. 
and uh, that's kind of what I've been doing. So that's awesome. So yeah. I have a I have a question that I want to like maybe put a, a different spin on. Um, so you teach, and the 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 focus is art, and then you go home. And you're you're sitting down and you're doing you're doing more art. So mm-hmm. s- somebody like myself or Noah, where we do you know we do a day job, and it's you know in front of a computer, spreadsheets and all of that. And then we sort of have to like switch our mindsets when we get home and we go to to the other thing that we're really interested in. Do you ever like find yourself like burnt out that like hey you know I went and taught a bunch of kids today, you know some drawing and now. Now I have personal time. Now I'm getting ready to go sit down at my, my tablet and work on this. But I just kind of did the same thing like a couple of hours ago. Is that a, like a struggle for you? Um, I don't know. Not really. Like uh, I, I, uh, I have a lot of different irons, you know, in the fire. I, I teach um, and then I have, you know, Mythica and then, I'm either working on that or I'm trying to, you know, do the promotional stuff or Mm -hmm. things like what we're doing now. Um, But then I have commissions and shows and, you know, art jobs for other people. Um, And so for me, my, I'm in a constant state of, uh, you know, kind of, I have so much, you know, my brain's always like, Oh, you have so much to do that I wake up um, and I'm in, you know, in my office uh, doing stuff pretty much from sunup to sundown uh, and, and beyond. Uh, and I leave to go teach. Sometimes I teach from home because, you know, it's coming off the pandemic. We had a lot of that. Uh, mm-hmm. But uh, so some days, like, I'm just, you know, in the studio all day long and I'll go until, you know, I'm tired. But um, I, you know, I have a... a, a a balance because uh i try to work really hard during the week uh because um my girlfriend and i've been together for five years and we're both introverts so we need our time to to recharge but on the weekends we spend our time together and we look forward to that time and mm-hmm. so i know that i don't want to be uh during you know being with her thinking, Oh, I needed to get this done or, or, or whatever. So that's what motivates me to try and, you know, work hard during the week. Um, and then during the weekend, I don't touch anything, um, for, you know, a couple of days each weekend. So that's, uh, how, that's how I balance it really. Interesting. Yeah. That's, that's a good, I think that, I mean, that sounds like a very solid work plan because I know that like, um, you know, I follow a lot of comics pros on online and, you know, I'll see the tweet about, oh, I stayed up till 2.30 in the morning, you know, um, my, I haven't seen my family or my, you know, significant other in, in a while. So it sounds like that you've established a good sort of like plan that works out well for the both of you. Yeah. I mean, it was, it's, it's, you know, it's important to me that you have time to, you know, enjoy life uh, because, you know, I love storytelling. And so I, I, I love what I do and I love drawing. 
but at the end of the day, it's, it's your, you know, it's your job and you don't want to be sitting at the computer and go and like at the end of your life, finish all these stories and go, Oh, it's, it's over now. And I didn't even get out of my chair and <laughs> go enjoy the world. you know. Sure. Um, and so, yeah, I, I, I push really hard for that, but you know, there was a time when, um, circumstances were different where I worked uh, a different kind of job that took up most of my time. And then I would come home and, and want to do my passion project. And so, yeah, I would stay up all night and, and have those same you know comments where it's like you spend a little bit of time with your you know family or whatever, uh, and then send them off to bed and then try to work as long as you can until you pass out. Cause that was the only shot you got. Um, and I've been fortunate to go from that to having art be pretty much, you know, my entire, you know, work. Um, and uh, I'm very grateful for that. So nice. hope it stays that way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Awesome. So I have a, a couple of questions about sort of the, the story and where it might be going. But before we sort of transition out of the, the art talk, I want to make sure that Noah, if he has any questions about art, uh, gets a chance to ask those. No, you go ahead. Okay, cool. So we're at Kickstarter right now. We're on issue eight. It, what what is the the general plan for Mythica? Do you do you have an endpoint, or is this something that you want to like keep going for a while, and then eventually you're like, all right, I know where where it's going to go, or is it right now? You know, like where it's going to go, and you're just sort of building to it. Like, what's the what's the what's the end game for for Mythica? So um, I know I know where I want to go with it, and, and I'm building towards it. And in a in my mind, I'm seeing that it it's going to take um, probably you know uh, 40, 40 or fifty issues, you know. Um, and so because I, I want it to have enough time to have all these characters you know make their journeys. And originally, like when I first started putting this together. I envisioned a trilogy of movies. So mm-hmm. imagine how many comics you have to make to make a trilogy of movies. Uh, so that's kind of where I'm headed is trying to work at that pace. In fact, um, at one point I laid it out to, um, I can't remember now, I think it was like 64 issues or something. And then I did the same thing I was saying where I had these, these arcs and then I broke it down to like, okay, well, this is how many issues. And you know, where uh, on this arc do these things need to happen in order to start, you know, having a resolve and having a midpoint and and those kinds of things. So I was like, okay, uh, you know, the first arc, uh, like the first movie would be like uh, three uh, graphic novels uh, worth, which is like 18 issues. And then second one, and so on and so forth so to, to get to three of them um and so that's kind of where i'm headed you know right now but i've also like come to the realization that like i love drawing i love storytelling um i don't know that i always want to be tied down to just this though mm-hmm. so um i want to start grooming other artists to work on it and kind of pull a, a todd mcfarlane and step back where I'm just doing covers and supervising it and continue keeping it going while I start to dabble in some other things. 
Yeah, I mean that seems to be a uh, the you know the the dream and in, in the model to follow. Um, you know, you talked a little bit about breaking this down into arcs, and earlier when we were talking, you said basically, I, and correct me if I'm wrong, that like I think like the first six um, issues told uh, an arc um, are they collected at this point, or are they still all single issues? I'm glad you asked that because then. Uh... It, there's a good answer. There's two. Uh, there's a good answer that I can't get out of my mouth. Um, <laughs> so yes, we collected the first six into a trade paperback. Uh, it's available in softback and hardback uh, at our website, actionlinestudios.com. Um, and when we uh, made the transition from the individual six issues to the um, graphic novel, I kind of stopped making those original uh individual issues um but as of late uh between issue seven and issue eight a lot of people had said oh i never got issue five i never got issue six or, or didn't complete my set um or some people have just been like hardcore floppy comic fans and were like oh i don't want to trade i want individuals so what we did this time with this kickstarter was we are reprinting the previous issues with uh, new covers uh, from guest artists, uh, at least on some of the covers are guest artists, um, and, and uh, a new print run. And so we also have that on the add-on section. So we're going to, you know, you can go in there and just pick the one issue that you don't have or something like that. And then the goal is that with every uh, following Kickstarter, we're going to do that again in these small numbered runs and have new guest artists on the covers. So uh, get some exposure from other, some, some other people and makes uh, some collectors edition uh, back issues. Yeah, I mean, that's really cool because I know depending on sort of, I don't want to like, you know, Noah's Noah's a bit younger than us, but he's, I've corrupted him into like being like a single issue guy, but there's certainly, you know, a number of people who are like, you know, I'm just interested in trades, like single issues. Yeah. Don't, don't, don't excite me at all. Like my, my son is 14. And like, if we go to like, uh, you know, a Barnes and a no, a Barnes and Noble or a comic store, like he wants a trade. He doesn't want, he doesn't want single issues. So like, I feel like that's probably a benefit to you there. Right. Yeah, so having having both is good, um, and um, the reason that I wanted to get to uh, the graphic novels so badly and so quickly was that uh, when it comes to selling to stores and retail, um, the profit margin is much higher on a graphic novel. So you sell a single issue comic to a comic store, you're going to be lucky to walk away with any profit at all. Mm -hmm. um, because comic shops generally take anywhere from 30 to 50% of, of, you know, the markup and usually independents are making smaller runs of their books. Sure. So it's costing them a bit more. And so, yeah, you, you generally don't make a lot, but you take, uh, you know, the cost of making six individual issues versus the cost of making a six issue graphic novel. It's much less expensive and you can charge, pretty much the same price yeah and i think and you hit the con circuit uh as well and i feel that like 
um, it's much easier to break even on like a table when you have, when you have trades, when you're, you know, you're selling a book for, you know, 15, 20 bucks that may, you know, was $10 to produce as opposed to selling a single issue for, you know, $3 that it took you like $2 and 12 cents to make, like, right. that's got to be a benefit as well. Right. Yeah. And, you know, that was another thing is that at shows, uh, I found that there's a lot of people who are at shows who are not really hardcore comic fans. They're more like, I like the Marvel movies and I came here to get an autograph and, but I'll listen to you about your book. Um, <laughs> and uh, they would rather read an, uh, an entire story than three issues from an independent who then says, yeah, I don't know when the next issue will be out, but uh, it'll be on Kickstarter. And they're like, what's a Kickstarter? You know, um, so that's another reason why having a full, complete story uh, in a book is another benefit, because it's a much easier sell to a new person uh, who is kind of new to the genre of comics. Um, it's it's harder to get see people on board to to if they don't know how they're going to get the next issue, you know. Mm -hmm. But. Awesome. Yeah. So I'm going to go into my, my standard crowdfunding questions, but I'm going to check in with Noah if he has any art or story questions before we, we do this. Just, yeah, lay them on, lay it on him. Okay. So I know Noah's going to be shocked by my first <laughs> question here, but whenever we have anybody who's running a Kickstarter, Noah and myself are currently uh, running a Kickstarter. Um, <laughs> How often do you refresh the page? Do you check? Are you or are you one of these people who is like, oh, I'm going to go for a walk. I'm going to come back <laughs> later in the day, and whatever it is is what it is. Like, what kind of uh, what kind of crowdfunding um, campaign runner are you? <laughs> well, um, I have to be honest. Uh, it's changed. Um, last campaign we hit goal in the first 11 hours man so after that i had no worries i i wasn't looking at my kickstarter out of anxiety uh it was more of just uh excitement of like what what goal do we hit now and uh mm -hmm. do i need to change something about the, the the you know stretch goals or something um so in the meantime, I, I really was not as, as focused, but, but uh, when the Kickstarter is going slower, um, then yeah, I tend to hawkishly watch it. Sometimes I just leave it on on one of my screens all day, um, <laughs> keeping an eye on it. Uh, and then like when I don't see it move, it's like, keep promoting, keep promoting. <laughs> yeah. Um, what else can you do to promote uh, that kind of thing? So um, yeah. And it's weird too, because like I said, um, I've built a following up over the years and, uh, saved emails and sent out mass email, uh, uh, stuff. And, uh, and it, it, it grew, you know, and, and last campaign, like it was our best campaign ever, but the one before that wasn't, you know, too bad either. And so then to have this one sort of slow down, all of a sudden you start having all these insecurities of like, what did I do wrong? What did I forget? Why don't they like it? You know? Um, and it's, it's just like, 
probably none of that. It could be just the economy or, or whatever, you know, um, sometimes just the luck of the draw. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, right now I'm hawkishly watching it. Yeah. So a uh, little, little insight as we, as we go, I have a second monitor and one of the tabs is, is your Kickstarter, but I can quickly switch over to mine and, and, and check what's, what's going on there. So if that's mm-hmm. an, if that's an answer uh, to the question, uh, I hawkishly watch mine as, as well. So, <laughs> so let's, yeah. let's talk about uh, the, the state of your Kickstarter. I, I'm looking at it right now. Um, you're, you're doing fairly well. You're, uh, you're approaching that funding goal mm-hmm. um, and you have uh, just over at this point, at the time of the recording, about uh, three weeks to go, um, and I was looking as I was scrolling down. You have you have some some stretch goals announced. Do do you want to talk about those a little bit? Yeah, uh, thanks for giving me the opportunity to do that. Um, so yeah, our our uh, goals are based on number of backers, mm-hmm. um, and uh, I, I I transition to that because I felt like, you know, my goal is to, to get it in front of as many people as possible. Um, and so I felt like sharing that uh, was, was going to motivate people more to share it rather than, hey, I'm trying to make more money, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and so um, we had an early bird backer uh, special where everyone got a, a metal uh, trading card of the cover art with uh, myself and um, Alex Sinclair's coloring. And then at 50 backers, which we hit uh, you know, pretty quickly, um, everyone gets a mini print of that uh, cover art. So it's like a five by seven size print. Um, at 75 backers, we hit that uh, as well. Um, everyone also gets a sticker, a Mythica Maniac sticker. And this goes to everyone that got a physical reward. Um, and then uh, at 100 backers, uh, that mini print that uh, got earlier is uh, upgraded to a hollow foil print. And then the next one is um, a mini print by Skylar P- Patridge, who did issue six cover, which is just gorgeous. And a lot of people requested it so we brought it back um and then uh we also have some prints by some other people jesse lopez uh and then at 300 backers everyone gets a, a metal bookmark uh, which is another one of our really popular items um so yeah extra stuff for every step just because we have more people on the campaign so it it behooves everyone that's on the campaign to share it and even if people are only backing for a dollar uh, that's still going to get us to 150 backers or 200 backers. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, when you were talking about that, that's, that's very cool. Um, Noah and I have a, you know, a common friend that we've done some work for and, um, you know, we've, we, we're going to be doing an anthology with soon, uh, Travis Gibb. And he was like, you know, I look at this as, at, at backer counts, like, Obviously, the funding goal is important, but what really excites me is the number of people that I, I have a chance to like share this book with. So that the fact that you set um, your your stretch goals and you know people get extra stuff at like 
you know, these milestones of, of people backing is, is really cool, which, which I can appreciate. Thank you, man. I, yeah, I feel like that's, uh, that's the ultimate goal. Like I want, I want, you know, I would love for like, you know, Mythica to be known all across, you know, the globe, but it, it just takes time and, and you got to build it up. Very cool. So I think we're gonna we're gonna wrap it up here um, pretty right soon. All right. Um, so Noah, um, before I go into sort of the the last uh, the questions that we have, is there anything that you want to check in with uh, Matt about? No, just I'm really happy you came back on, and I'm inspired by everything we talked about. Thank you. Well, thank you. It was a pleasure being on, and I I love talking about making comics and visual storytelling of any kind. Uh, so uh, I'm happy to talk to you guys about that anytime. Very cool. So Matt, um, as we close up, let's let people know first where they can follow you online, social media, so they can stay up to date on obviously this Kickstarter and you know things that are to come in the future. So uh, give out your social media tags, we're going to put those in the show notes, but uh, just just shout those out real quick. Okay. Uh, the website is where you can get uh, a bunch of the products that are already out, previous issues, the books, uh, T-shirts, stickers, and that's at actionlinestudios.com. Um, you can find Action Line Studios on Facebook, and then uh, you can follow me um, at Matt Campbell Art on Facebook, Instagram, or uh, uh, TikTok. Um, and I also have a YouTube channel under Matt Campbell. Nice. And is that actually, um, is the YouTube channel, would we expect sort of like instructional videos or like if yeah, I was there's... like a budding artist, like could I like sort of follow along on, on some stuff and, you know, try yeah, to like, there's, um, there's yeah, go ahead. There's definitely some uh, tutorial videos. There's some videos of me drawing. Um, there's there's actually a lot of videos that are uh, also um, hidden because I record every class I teach. Um, so there's a lot of content for me to pull from when it comes to to making you know videos. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I uh, I also have the, all the you know the trailers from the previous uh, campaigns you know on there and. Uh, so yeah, that's the kind of stuff you'll find on there. Very cool. So I know you gave us the elevator pitch. You were you were on the elevator with Jim Lee and Joe Casada. <laughs> you you should have probably told Jim Lee that uh, who your colorist was on your on your cover you know that, when you when you pitched them. But uh, let's <laughs> uh, let's talk about Mythica one more time as we close up. Uh, okay. So uh, so like I said, uh, Mythica is a dark fantasy comic where a kilted Scottish soldier and a sexy super spy uh, band together with some other allies and fight monsters and demons uh, as World War I is raging on around them. It has uh, beautiful scenery and a steampunk kind of feel. So if you like Outlander or The Witcher uh, or Supernatural, smash them all together and you'll love this book. Very cool. Well, Matt, thanks uh, for being on again. So we're going to have links to your social media in okay. the uh, the show notes. And obviously, we're also going to have a link to the Kickstarter. So if you're listening, you know, call up your pod player, hit those show notes, scroll down, find all of that stuff and check out uh, 
check out uh, Mythica because it's a great book. Um, so also, as we close up, um, I'd like to thank everybody for listening. If you can give us a rating and review on the podcasting service you use, we really appreciate it. Um, there will be another link for a Kickstarter, and that's going to be Moss Vale. That's a book that uh, yeah. Noah and myself are working on. Um, so there'll be a link for that uh, in the Kickstarter. If you want to follow the podcast, we're on Twitter. That is at Construct Compod. Instagram is Constructing Comics Pod, and Facebook is Constructing Comics. So just once again, thank you for listening. Please be safe, be nice to each other, and go out there and make some comics. Thank you.